Welcome back to Behind the Play. My name is Alex Adams, and today I'm very excited to introduce James Duffy, who hosts TSN's NHL coverage, World Juniors, has covered the Olympics, World Cup, Super Bowls. I'm sure I'm missing more. I think the Masters as well. Um, it's a real privilege to have you on the podcast and uh, not to make you feel old or anything, but uh, ever since I was a kid, I've, I've seen you on TSN. So thanks so much for taking the time and coming on. You know, it used to bother me, uh, I think a few years ago, because that's when I realized I was old, because I'd very nice of you to say that. Thank you. But people would say, you know, I've grown up watching you. And uh, I guess it bugged me at first, but I take it now as a compliment. And uh, you can't deny when you've been around for a while, buddy. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Um, I wanted to first ask you just, you know, as someone coming up in the industry, I know you were a good touch football player and maybe wanted to be a gym teacher as well. And then you went into sports journalism. Were you always drawn to being a sports podcaster or journalist? Yeah, you know, I think that uh, I think that early on, it's it's hard to remember. You know, when I was ten years old, twelve years old, but I, I certainly took interest in when I when I watched a ton of sports, like like a lot of kids, and and watched everything. And I, you know, I think I took notice of the the you know the Bob Costases of the world, and and you know Dave Hodge doing Hockey Night in Canada, and guys like this, and saying, boy, that would be a really neat job to be at the events. Now I was a delusional teenager in that I thought I was going to play pro football. <laughs> and I don't know that I would necessarily said, Hey, I'm going to be a broadcaster because I actually thought I was going to play pro football, which was ridiculous. But uh, I think it was definitely in the back of my head. I do remember maybe 14, 15 years old, I would turn down the volume on, you know, NFL games or, or hockey games and do my own play by play a little bit. Oh, wow. So I think, I think the seed was, was always there. And as soon as I realized I wasn't going to make it as a pro athlete, that probably became, uh, I kept thinking, what's the next best thing? And uh, the idea of going to games and covering games and talking about them sounded pretty appealing. And I guess just to go off that a little bit, what, how did you get your start? I know you went to Carleton, my alma mater as well. Um, <laughs> what was that like? And then going to TSN, I also know you were a, a news reporter at one point and, and they kind of pushed you into into being a news well, yeah it, well you're right i there weren't many options back then you know we're talking uh sort of beginning of the 90s and the tsn was in its infancy it really wasn't a thing yet there wasn't any other sports networks around um, local news was still a big deal and most you know every local news station had maybe one or two sportscasters most of them had been there forever so there just weren't many jobs and when I went to Carleton, I'm not sure if you did, but we did a an internship in, in fourth year. And I did my internship at uh, what is now CTV Ottawa. It was called mm -hmm. CJOA back then. And you, I was a news reporter for a week. It was a cool internship because they let you actually file a few stories and you wow. went on the air. And uh, I guess I got lucky and uh, they liked what I did and, and hired me for the summer. And then hired me full time after the summer to be a news reporter. And I always still had sports at the back of my mind. I, I enjoyed my time as a news reporter. And, you know, for any of your the people who watch this or yourself that maybe want to get into sports, I, I would highly recommend. I don't think I'd be where I am today without having done news. Okay. Because I think it gives you, first of all, it really teaches you how to be a good writer. Okay. Uh, you're doing, doing something different every single day. Murders, fires, politics, uh, and so I, I think I learned a lot about the world and learned how to how to write a lot better. And it was harder, too, because in sports, you know, 
sports is easy in the sense, look, I'm at the Super Bowl this week. They We go to the media availabilities at a certain time. They bring out all the players. You get to interview them. Hmm. Easy. In news, you had to really dig and, and you know, get people to talk to you and, and find the stories. And so I think it really helps you as a journalist and as a broadcaster. But as I said, I, I still wanted to do sports and finally got some opportunities and uh, was, you know, very fortunate when TSN came calling. I, I guess I wanted to ask you, like, you've been so successful at orchestrating panels and um, shows for TSN and, and just about being a news reporter. How do you, was that kind of those skills transferable or, and, and maybe what do you think makes you such an effective host? That's a great question. I, I guess the transferable part would just more be learning to be a good interviewer. And I think news helped teach me that is when you're interviewing someone, and I'm sure you learn this in journalism school to listen, right? I think of the mistake a lot of people make when they do interviews is they might write down 10 or 15 questions and just stick to those questions. And they're not really listening to what the person says. Mm-hmm. And you have no choice as a news reporter to really listen to what people say. And I don't think being a panel host is that different is you're asking questions, you're listening to what, uh, your analysts say and trying to guide the conversation now it's not a hundred percent that way I, I would say that i had to learn a lot of new things when i started doing a panel like when i got hired by tsn my first job was to host the the cfl panel and the mm-hmm. nba panel i'd really never hosted a panel before right i'd been a sportscaster i'd done highlights and late night sports but i I'd never hosted a panel uh so I did have to learn as I went there. But I think there are a few transferable skills that way. And and also just you mentioned you were NBA and um, CFL, uh, you know, hosting panels. And then now, obviously, you do more hockey. How are you able to kind of have the range to not just do hockey or not just do like football, basketball? And, and does your preparation change depending on the sport? Yeah, that's a great question. It's it it's uh, I I think that I couldn't do it if I was a play by play guy. So I, I've always thought in my head that the the guys who do play by play for games that they two sports is probably the limit for them. Mm-hmm. You take a guy like Dan Schulman who does baseball mm-hmm. and college basketball, right, and does them both very well. Um, you know, our, our are Gordon Miller, uh, Chris Cuthbert, Chris Cuthbert, CFL hockey, Gordon Miller, same thing. I think if you, if you try to do too many more than that, uh, you know, Jim Nance has done a good job. He'd done NFL and, and golf and, and college basketball, but I, I think it becomes, you start to cheat the viewer because it, it's hard to know everything about that many sports as a host. I would say it's a little bit easier because I don't have to sit there and necessarily talk about, every single player uh you know doing the super bowl this week uh, yeah i've done a ton of research and yes i watched a ton of games but am i going to end up talking about you know the chiefs backup offensive linemen probably not right uh, whereas the play-by-play guys have to know all that so a- as a host i think you're more your job is to ask the questions that the people might be thinking at home i think more than anything else and so you're a little more general and the topics are usually the the more major topics. So that's the way. That doesn't mean I still don't have to work. Like when I did the World Cup, uh, I follow Canadian soccer. I've watched every game they played for the last four or five years. But mm. I tend to be, you know, 
I can't, I don't have time to watch every Premier League game or Bundesliga game or anything. So I, I, I'm, I know a decent amount, but I don't know what even some of the diehard fans know. And so, again, as a host, I think you, uh, you have to rely on your, your experts to do, to give the information. And it's your job to ask the right questions. I, I wanted to move on just to things that you've done that I, I one thing we, we share that you don't know is that we both as kids love to stay inside during the summer and watch the Olympics. What did it mean for you to, to, to cover the Vancouver 2010 and, and the London Olympics? Yeah, everything. Uh, and uh, it's true. Uh, if you're like me, I was just, I loved the Olympics when I was a kid, man. I was just such a geek and loved everything about it. And it just felt like the biggest thing in the world. And so to, you know, I went in 2006 and covered Torino. I did a little bit for Athens whenever that was uh, early in the century. But, but to do Vancouver when in, in your own country, and it, it really was an absolute dream. I got to host during the day and then go down and host the hockey games at night. And yeah, I, if you were to ask me the highlight of my career, I always put that as number one, just because an Olympics in your own country and the atmosphere in Vancouver is hard to describe for me. It's always going to be two of the favorite weeks of my life just because it was so crazy there. You know, the country was so caught up in it. The streets were just so alive every single night. And the way it worked out for Canada with all the gold medals and everything, it was, uh, yeah, it was it was a spectacular thing to be a part of. Was there something that's one particular moment, I'm sure the golden goal or? or... All right, it's hard to beat that, isn't it? I've told this story before, but I almost missed it because my son was playing in a in a hockey game back home. I don't know who scheduled that, but uh, so I kept looking down at my, I think it was BlackBerry at the time, uh, looking down at my my BlackBerry or my iPhone and uh, to get the updates. Somebody was texting me updates and I was actually looking at my phone and it was so quiet and tense in the building that I actually heard Crosby say Iggy. Wow. Glanced. And stuff because we we're our, our set was right behind the net maybe maybe 30 feet away from ryan miller's goal and so yeah i heard it and glanced up just in time to see the goal so it's it's pretty hard to, pretty hard to top that as a as a moment really anytime in your career yeah i i guess before we we switch to to hockey i, I wanted to ask you uh the, the kind of fun question whose idea back in the day was it to have maggie the monkey um, the macaque who, who made the Stanley Cup predictions and, and was she better than any of the analysts? Uh, well, I can't take credit for that. It was, that was the very early years of the NHL on TSN. And I'm sure a lot of people don't remember, like we were really wacky uh, when we started in 2000, whatever it was, 2003, 2000, we had like rock bands in the studio. We had these puppets that were telling jokes, horrible jokes. They weren't very good. Uh, and I was like walking around all over the place. We had a rink inside the studio, one of those synthetic ice things. So it was a nutty show. And I think in one of our production meetings, uh, they said, you know, what could we do different from the playoffs? And I guess somebody had seen it's been done before where you have like a, a monkey pick stocks or something. I think, you know, the New York someone probably done that before. And they said, could you get a monkey to to make predictions and it just happened that that year so they found this monkey out at the zoo and they the monkey came in and spun a wheel and the monkey was right more than the analyst the entire time and had kept picking the anaheim ducks who were big underdogs and they went all the way to the stanley cup final before they lost so you know it was just it's, it's a random 
50-50 spin of a wheel. But uh, I think it actually proved a point that that predictions are worthless, yeah. especially playoffs, and that analysts, no matter how much you know, you don't really know what's going to happen in the playoffs because her to beat people like Dave Hodge and Bob McKenzie and the likes was kind of ridiculous. Um, I wanted to, to move a little bit to the NHL. And I know, um, and before we get into the Canadian teams that you cover pretty, you know, consistently, if you're the NHL commissioner for one day, what rule would you change? Well, the first one that pops into my head is the playoff format. Okay. Because I don't like this whole divisional wild card thing. The idea for it was that it would it would pump up rivalries. I don't think that that's happened in whatever years that we've had it for. Uh, I think it's just been more monotonous. You look at a situation of, you know, Toronto and Tampa half the season left and they know they're playing each other. And I don't think anybody gets really excited about that. So I, I always like the one versus eight format and the idea that you really were rewarded if you usually if you finish first or second to get a weaker team that you would play against. When there were those upsets, eight over one, it really felt like something. And you got different matchups every year. So that I'm like Sidney Crosby on that one. Uh, I'm sure there's probably some rule I could find that uh, that bothered me as much. I, I, I hate the reviews on offsides. And some people would call me a hypocrite because back when I think our panel did, you know, bring up the idea of a challenge flag way back when. And so some people blame me for that. But I never wanted it like this. You know, I wanted something to stop egregious missed calls, but not, you know, one inch skate off the ice, skate not off the ice. I think that's a load. So those two things do the pop into my head. Um, I wanted to to switch. You mentioned the Leafs and, and they're probably going to play Tampa because of the system, the playoff format in, in place. What do you think of the Leafs so far this year being second in the Atlantic? And, and do you think they'll finally make that step and win a playoff round? Well, going back to your Maggie the monkey question, I, I don't think anybody can say. Yeah. Um, I think they've been great. They're a really good hockey team. But Tampa's Tampa and has all that experience and just has found a way, you know, to get to three straight Stanley Cup finals. And so that's at some point it's going to end. You know, Hedman hasn't had a good year and you wonder, you know, at some point it catches up on you playing all that hockey. Will this be the year that it does? I don't know. Uh, I mean, I think the Leafs have a 50-50 chance against Tampa. I really do. But at some point, you just you have to have uh, star players completely dominate and have Matthews and Marner completely take over a series to for it to happen. And uh, I don't think that's impossible. I don't think those guys are chokers or anything in the playoffs. I just think that uh, they've had a run in against a really really great team the last the last few years it's maybe built a little better for the playoffs than toronto is but it must be weird being a leaf because the regular season really doesn't no matter how you know they can win the rest of their games win the president's trophy and it doesn't matter until that first round and that must be a weird a weird mental thing for those players uh is that we got to get through six months make sure we get in the playoffs and and then it's all all that's going to matter. People will judge us on those two weeks. So I don't think I, anybody you ask this question to, I don't think they have any insight. I don't I don't necessarily think this Leaf team is better or more fit for the playoffs or to beat Tampa. We'll see what happens before the deadline. I just think you at some point you have to step up and 
and just no excuses be better than the other team. And I do think it'll happen at some point, but I, I'm not going to predict it's going to happen this year. I don't know. Uh, I wanted to transition to maybe the, the the other really good Canadian team on that with the Jets. Um, they obviously had a really poor year last year, seemed to mostly turn it around this year. Do you think they're a contender in, in the West this year? They surprised me. And I think the West is really kind of wide open in in a sense that uh, they they could do something. And, the, you know, the change to Rick Bonus, uh, no offense to Paul Maurice. And I think, you know, I give credit to Paul Maurice that I think he saw it. He saw that, you know, he somewhat lost the room with these guys and they couldn't go any further with him. And uh, you give Bonus a lot of credit for injecting something into this team. Of course, when, when Connor Hellebuck comes back to, to form that makes that makes a massive difference so i think now that you look at the jets and you go yeah there's a lot of really good pieces there but because we really hadn't seen it much uh particularly last year uh i didn't predict that they would be in this sort of situation at the beginning of the season but i think in a while i don't think they're going to go to the stanley cup final or maybe even the conference final but uh i think that that they've certainly opened that possibility in a in a conference that is, is kind of you know, Colorado is going to be great still, but I think it's kind of there for the taking a little bit. It's uh, there's not like five or six juggernauts in the West. Would would you just to kind of follow up on that? Would you would you if you were them try to go for a guy like Timo Meyer or kind of stay the course? I might say I'd take a shot. You know, uh, you only have so many years with this group with. Uh, uh, with Shifley and Wheeler and 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 so on and so forth. So I, I definitely would. If if you if they do the same analysis that I've done, if Shevel Dayoff looks and says, look, there's not any real powerhouses out here, maybe outside of Colorado, I still think Edmonton could do something. You know, Vegas has looked good this year. and um, I, But I don't, like, again, none of them really stand out like, oh, my goodness, you don't want to play those guys in the playoffs. So, yeah, if, if I were the Jets, I would definitely add and take a crack. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm gonna, I'm just going to go through uh, one more Canadian team and then I'll, I'll come to the sense just uh, there's as an Ottawa guy. But with the Oilers, who's, you met. Yeah. With, with, who's your? Uh, Ottawa? I'm, a, I'm a sense fan. Yeah, I'm from Ottawa. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, but I wanted to ask a little bit about the Oilers. They made that run to the third round. They've been kind of skidding this year. Goalie, goaltending has been up and down. Um, they haven't traded a first round pick in a while. Do you think they need to make a big, big trade? I think that you, you're only guaranteed what, what is it? Two years now left of yeah. after McDavid and dry settle or, uh, I, I, you, I think you have to, and you have to trade first round picks or I, I can't see both of these guys staying and, Again, same way I answered the Jets question, it's there for the taking. I think Edmonton, if they get goaltending, which is the same phrase we've used for the last you know, whatever years with the Oilers, um, I think they have the potential to be a really like lethal type playoff team when you have, you know, arguably the two best players in the league and some pretty good support guys around them and and the likes of Kane and Nuge, et cetera. So I would I would be going all in if I was the Oilers. And I give Ken Holland credit that he hasn't traded the first round pick. But uh, again, I think this is the year. Um, this is the window. I would love to get a guy that had term. It's probably not going to be that way. You know, if they if they go all, probably one of those guys with an expiring deal. But uh, you know, 
if you can get one of those guys like a Meyer, Ryan O'Reilly, Patrick Kane, whoever, um, that would be a lot of fun to watch that team. They'd scored definitely a lot of goals. Um, and yeah. they, still, they still are right now. Um, I wanted to to go to the Sens and, and as someone from Ottawa, born and raised, what do you think the new ownership with maybe even Ryan Reynolds being a part of it and maybe a rink downtown would do for the city and the fan base in Ottawa? A lot. Uh, I, I just think it's time. Um, it was, I, I still give a lot of credit to Eugene Melnick for, for saving the team. And, you know, things went really south in his relationship with the city and the fan base. But in the end, he still saved the team and kept it there when it wouldn't have been there if he hadn't stepped up and bought the team. But it was time for a change. And I think the the energy that new ownership will bring in, especially, you know, if Ryan Reynolds is attached, that that does make a difference. And the energy that a new building would bring in. And, and you have a, you know, you do have a really decent young core I was not as excited about the team this year as I think. I think the fan base got a little overexcited. You know, getting to Brinkett and Giroux were great, but the biggest problem on the team was defense last year, and they did very little except, you know, Jake Sanderson coming in to address that. So I didn't think they were going to be a playoff team this year. I, I suppose they could still make a run. But uh, I think there there are a lot of reasons to get really pumped up about the next few years in Ottawa if they if they get the right owner. And if they can get approval on that rank. Um, I wanted to to last ask you just on with regards to the NHL, who's your, I, I know you mentioned before, you don't want, you don't like predictions, but I'll ask you maybe who's your maybe two or three kind of cup favorites that you think are in the best position to, to go all the way and win. Oh, that's a good one. Um, well, I mean, I, I look at these, these are going to be captain obvious picks. But I've watched the Bruins enough this year. to They just look like a team built for long series. And so uh, that's not really going off the board to pick a team that's lost, what, I don't know, seven or eight games or whatever all year long. But And I still think Colorado will figure out a way to be ready for the playoffs. Uh, the one thing I think Tampa learned is you can kind of pace yourself during the regular season and then be ready to make a run come playoff time. I think, you know, hopefully Colorado – Colorado has learned that there's just too much talent there for for them not to. So I would go, and I, I do. I actually think Edmonton, uh, if you know, on your question there, if they go out and make a couple little moves there, and one of these goalies can really step up, I, I kind of think they're to me the second most dangerous team in the West. And on the, I, I think Tampa's going to run out of steam. Whether it happens against the Leafs this year, I just, I just feel like even though they've had a really good regular season that at some point in second round or something like that, that it's just, everything's gone so well for them in the last three years that it, it's not going to happen this year. So uh, Boston, I don't know. The Metro is really interesting. Just the Metro is so competitive, but there's nobody, you know, Jersey's look good and Carolina's look good, but I don't really see either of them as a Stanley cup team right now. So, I'll I'll say whoever comes out of uh, come comes out of the Boston Toronto sort of Tampa uh, mm-hmm. side of th- I think if Toronto gets through the first round they got a really good chance of of beating Boston and going to the Stanley Cup final but again it's that whole first round thing yeah 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 and and I always I, I'm curious if you believe this quickly but that 
like the team that wins the president's trophy never seems to do well in the playoffs. I don't know if that might be something for Boston. Yeah, it's a weird, I mean, that's, that's a weird thing. Uh, and I don't, I always say to myself every year when that comes up, obviously history matters and there must be something to that, but I always say like the team currently wins it. I mean, there has been teams that have won the president's trophy and have won the Stanley cup recently. So it's not a complete curse. And I don't think the Bruins are about that too much. I also think Pittsburgh, as much as they've been, you know, they're kind of on the cusp of, um, Sometimes they're in, out. I, I think if they get in the playoffs, they could still do damage. Same did it with the Rangers. I, I just the Metro's a fascinating division to me because there's a lot of teams that are that are all flawed. It wouldn't surprise me if the Rangers came out of there and got to a conference final. So uh, that wasn't a very good prediction there, Alex. But uh, no, I no, threw no, it. that's okay. Uh, I'll I'll give you an easier prediction as you're uh, you're covering the Super Bowl this week. Um, do you think that Mahomes on one leg can win against this vaunted Eagles defense or? Or have the Eagles been tested enough to be ready for the Chiefs? What do you kind of see happening in in, in the Super Bowl on Sunday? I'll tell you, I've spent a lot of my hours uh, this week thinking about that exact question because I look at the Eagles and think they're they're just way too talented. I'm a Niners fan, as you probably mm-hmm. know, and uh, I know how good the Niners are. And even you know even what happened to the quarterbacks that game was a complete write-off but just watching the Eagles offense against the Niners defense that Niners defense is good and and the Eagles offense is just so hard to stop like most teams even teams that make it to a Super Bowl have flaws there's a flaw somewhere right and you look at the Eagles and you go you know one of the best defenses in the league best pass defense in the league and on the offensive side they have two absolute stud receivers uh an excellent tight end, maybe not as good as Kelsey and Goddard, but pretty close. Three really good running backs and like the best, one of the best running games in the league and a quarterback who can run pass and is an MVP candidate. And uh, Peter King this week called the offensive line, maybe the best offensive line ever. That's, that's incredible. Like that's not a weakness anywhere on that offense. And, and Casey's defense is decent, but, so I everything in my head points towards the Eagles. But I just Mahomes is the one thing that always makes you hesitate. And I remember a few, couple of Super Bowls ago when it was Mahomes against uh, Brady and Brady was still like the best and and I, I bet you know I I predicted the Chiefs and then I was you know Brady demolished them and I was sitting there going why did I how could I bet against the best quarterback in the world? How stupid is that? And I'm worried that I'm going to find myself sitting in the third quarter on Sunday going with, you know, Mahomes putting on a clinic going, why did I again predict against the best quarterback in the game? Right. So it, that's the Mahomes is the only thing that gives me any sort of pause uh, to not pick the Eagles. But I, I think in the end, I'm going to pick the Eagles to win. Well, uh, I, I, I'm going to go a bit against you. I'm going to pick Mahomes. I, I'm a bit worried that uh, the Eagles just haven't been tested enough, but uh, I think your yeah. point. about Jalen hurts hasn't had a bad game he didn't play good against the commanders the one game he lost all year but man they can just do so many things i spent like six hours the other day in my hotel room kind of re-watching every eagles game like you know half an hour the games and the number of design runs to him yeah it just it's it's an offense that can just do way too many things so well, well, we'll see Sunday and, and you'll be there and it'll be a lot of fun I, before. Thank you so much for coming on. Before I let you go, 
what should people is there anything you want to plug obviously the super bowl uh what should people look forward to at tsn coming up or anything uh i I appreciate you doing that uh you know i just uh appreciate anybody that watches the network it always helps us uh my next gig i guess i'll get back into hockey we have trade deadline coming up trade center is always a a big show for us and uh then i suppose after that's the masters for me um I have a podcast called the Rubber Boots Podcast, which is really dumb. I'm not going to lie. It's just four guys, that, three guys that I work with uh, talking about uh, silly things in life. But you get a lot of behind-the-scenes stories about what happens in the business. And uh, that's it, man. I wanted to uh, wish you the best of luck with everything. It's always great talking to a uh, a fellow uh, former Raven. Yeah. And Pod. Cool. Thank you very much. I'm definitely going to check out your podcast. And uh, thanks so much for for taking the time and coming on. Thanks, my brother.